0: Coming up, I'll reveal the signs that Apple CEO Tim Cook believes remote work might be a failed experiment. And then I'm going to share a few of the most valuable lessons I've learned from interviewing influential leaders. Let's go. Warning you of what is holding you back, equipping you to step around, through, over, Those Enemies of Progress. I'm Ken. This is the Ken Coleman Show. And uh, let's start off with what's happening in the world that may affect you, specifically remote workers. So here's what we know about society in general, and it has been multiplied in the era of 24-hour media and social media. And this is what I'm saying, that we know. Once one domino falls in the form of an influential leader or company, a lot more dominoes fall right behind. This is why we have social media influencers that largely shouldn't have an opinion, but because they have a lot of followers and people do what they say, they get paid a lot of money and thus influence. This is why leaders who are uncertain will see another leader step out into certainty and they'll follow. It's why... When you are in a traffic pattern and you're in the lane with everybody else, you're just kind of following traffic and you see one person dart out and go over that yellow line to get to the exit, and you see several cars follow. What's happening? Someone has decided to take action. And other people go, oh, should I be doing that? If they're doing it, maybe I should do it. This is just the human nature. So, Why is this relevant that I'm sharing this? Because when you have the CEO of Apple, one of the most powerful and wealthiest companies in the world, making statements about remote work, and you are a remote worker, you should pay attention. Because he influences people just by the nature of who he is. So here we go. What is he saying? Uh, This is a Business Insider article. Tim Cook, CEO of Apple, calls remote work, and this is the strongest statement I've heard from him on this, he calls it the mother of all experiments. He said, we, he's talking about Apple, we are running a pilot and trying to find a place that makes the best of both of these worlds. He's talking about remote work and then working in the office. Cook goes on to say that his personal preference is what he calls a serendipity of in-person meetings. More on that in a second. Because I agree with him that there is a serendipity. It's a fancy multi-syllable word. I'll break it down for you in just a moment. But serendipity does happen more often in person. I agree with him there. But he said that virtual interactions are not inferior, just different. I disagree with him on that. Now, you could make an argument that If I'm in a meeting room with you sitting across the table or I'm on a computer right here on this desk and I'm looking at you and you're sitting at a table that the same amount of information is going to be exchanged and I can hear you and see you in both. I I understand that argument and I probably wouldn't win it. But I think that being in person allows for more serendipity now here's how i define serendipity and this is the part i agree with i wrote this down when i'm in person i believe that there's a greater impact on this reality And here's the reality collaboration increases imagination and imagination is at the heart of innovation so innovation is described uh, pretty broadly, and people understand innovation. But innovation really is a is a uh, it, it's a catalyst when when resources are low, time restraints are tight, and you have to innovate. You are under the gun. You don't have the money, the resources, the people, the time, but you still got to solve a problem. Dads are famous for this kind of innovation, right? Nathan is smiling behind the glass. He's got little ones. Dads are famous for innovation because mom's not around, and she's the expert, and something goes wrong in the house or with the kids, and the dad's going, I don't know what my wife would do. We're half worried about doing the wrong thing and getting in trouble, let's be honest. And and, and then we're going, but i got to do something. And so they they, they figure it out. Right? My proudest innovative moment, and boy, the bar is low. But I remember being at some friends of ours' house on on a vacation when the kids were little. And I'm not sure if it was Josie or not, uh, or the boys. But one of the kids literally put half a roll of toilet paper in the toilet. They had not been sitting on the pot for very long, and clearly one of them got really aggressive. Bottom line is, clogged our friend's toilet, and it was bad. And I'm freaking out. I'm going, this is a nice bathroom. If I flush this one more time, Nathan, I mean, it's a disaster. It's at the top. I don't have a plunger. I don't want to go down and ask a plunger. This is a very low-key moment of innovation, but the point serves. So, you know what I did? To Stacy's horror, I went in the guest bedroom closet and I found a metal hanger. And I undid the metal hanger and turned it into essentially, you know, a little prod, and I got down deep as I could. I had a little hook on it, you know, the hook that it hangs on, but everything else straight. And I got in there, and I pulled as much of that toilet paper out as I could, picked it up with my hands, and threw it away, and then the water rec- receded. Nathan, it was a proud moment. Genius. Thank you. Now, here, I'm making a silly point, that it is imagination- That leads to all innovation, but imagination gets boosted when there's collaboration. And I think collaboration is better, more energetic, when I'm in person with somebody. So I just think in person gives us a better connection. But here we go. People don't like it. They don't like going back to work. Employers are now hardening their demands for people to return. Amazon's fighting it. Roughly 30,000 Amazon employees signed a petition Objecting to the return to office policy, an HR executive rejected it. Elon Musk sent an email, apparently, last week at two thirty in the morning, reminding Apple—I mean, excuse me—Twitter uh, workers that working in the office is not optional. Disney employees are fighting a directive to work four days a week from the office. So are Starbucks and Starbucks employees. So here's what's happening. What's happening is. There's this tension about coming back in and I understand the perks the perks are you don't have a commute which means you have more time to do stuff at home families pets hobbies whatever and the case can be made that you can be productive working remote I'll give you that you could be you could be productive that's that's not but culture's better connection's better collaboration is better imagination is better this is interesting. James Bailey, professor of management at George Washington University, said this in this article. Workers' refusal to go back to the office is like a metaphorical middle finger to their bosses. And I think he's right. They're like, we have all this freedom now because you let us go home and work remote. Now you're taking my freedom away. That's the rub. And I understand it. I'm not sure I agree with it, but I understand it. But here's the problem. Some of you gotten drunk on all that freedom and a hangover is coming If there's not a job for you to go to, if the remote jobs keep decreasing, I'm just telling you, be forewarned. All right, folks, helping you get unstuck. I'm Ken. This is the Ken Coleman Show. Hey, if you're enjoying the program and uh, you're watching via YouTube, would you subscribe? That helps us grow. Uh, Is it subscribe or just like, oh, no, I'm sorry. You got to like these videos. Sorry, folks. I'm a middle-aged guy. I don't wake up and care two craps about if someone likes me, but uh, it helps grow the show. And uh, these videos, uh, if you like them, click on the like button. If you're listening to the podcast, uh, give us a follow and a five-star review. All right, so I want to talk to some people right now who um, you could say, yes, Ken, this is me, and this is who I'm talking to. The people who aren't where they want to be. In other words, the gap between where you are now Financially, personally, professionally, spiritually, physically, the gap between where you are and where you want to be is pretty wide. And you're feeling stuck. You're feeling unhappy, dissatisfied, frustrated. If that's you or someone you know, uh, I want you to have the opportunity to see me in four cities where we're going to be discussing that bridge and its breakthrough. How do you get breakthrough? And I'm going to be walking through how to get clear on where you want to be in life and how are you getting confidence to actually step towards that. That's what we're doing at Breakthrough. And uh, the events are coming to you. We're going to be in Kansas City in 15 days. Uh, April 20th, Kansas City, Missouri, Chicago, Illinois, May 16th. Atlanta, Georgia, May 18th, Dallas, Texas, May 23rd. So you or a friend, uh, we have we have a partner pass, couples passes. We got a VIP ticket uh, where you spend extra time with me before the event. We're going to do some deep dive coaching. I'm going to be speaking on how to get clear on where you want to be for your future. What is that desired future in your life? Whatever that is, does not have to be just professional. Ken, how do I bridge the gap from where I am to where I want to be? And that's what we're going to teach you. And teach you to be able to do it confidently, to bridge the gap and do it with confidence. So uh details. Tickets, everything you need, kencoleman.com slash events, kencoleman.com slash events. Okay, Uh, I have been very blessed in my career, and I want to remind those of you that are new to the program, I started this journey that I'm on right now at the age of 33 with no broadcasting degree, no experience, but I started out doing small stuff. I'll remind you that I once introduced a mime and a balloon artist at the Suwannee Day Festival. So I don't want to hear you griping about, well, Ken, I just don't know where to start, and it's it's too small. No, no, that's where I started. And by the way, I introduced the mime, Alex, and I thought I'd be cute. And as I walked by him, give him a high five, and what do you think he did? Left me hanging with a mime high five. I mean, that's the lowest of the low, folks. That was worse than the balloon artist that I had to introduce. But it was one of the things I was doing in life. I was like getting hosting experience, stage experience anywhere I could. So over the years, I stayed with it. I just wouldn't quit. And so I've had the opportunity to interview two heads of state. I've had the opportunity to interview big-time A-list business leaders, champions in sport military heroes, I've interviewed a who's who, and I'm not going to drop a bunch of names. But I want to give you just three lessons that I've learned in short-form story. I think I can get the three, Alex. But I'm highlighting these lessons for two reasons. Number one, I want you to get some of the wisdom that I've been able to get as I sit knee-to-knee with some of the most impressive people in the world. But number two, I want you to realize that you can learn everything that you need for your life and where you want to be in your life by simply asking better questions. We, we just don't teach our young people in America to ask questions. We teach them how to answer questions. The whole school system is about memorization and regurgitation. But success in life is about a hunker for knowledge and wisdom a never-ending sense of curiosity. This is what makes great women and great men who have changed the world. They kept asking questions. What could be? What should be? What must be? As an example. So I'm going to hit a few of these really quick. So I'll start with Jim Collins, who wrote the book Good to Great, which is one of the best-selling business books of all time. And all it was was empirical data, that he ended up writing, I believe, four books. But he he researched what made companies great, what made companies fall from greatness. All right, and I'm just summarizing it. So this is a guy who studied great companies for many, many years. So I had the opportunity to interview him, and I asked him a question about greatness. I said, Jim, everybody wants a great life at some point, now they may get jaded and not want it any longer, but everybody wants a great life. We want to go to a great restaurant. We want a great vacation. We want our sports team to be great. Uh, we want to listen to great music. You know, we, That's what we want. But very few people are willing to do what it takes to be great. And I said, Jim, why is that? And this is what he said, and this is the lesson. He said, Ken, He said, I was teaching a business school class one time and a young student came up to me after the class and said, professor, I'm going to be graduating next semester and I've got two paths that I'm considering. One is I go work for a big time company, a public company and pay my dues, get stock options, work my way up the ladder, yada, 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 yada. The other option is, is I go work for myself and I go do this thing that I want to do, and I become entrepreneurial. But I got to tell you, me and my parents and everybody, I just feel really nervous about going out on my own. And I think it's much safer to go work for a big company. Colin said, I replied, well, you think it's safe to go work for a big company until something goes wrong with one of the executives or there's something unethical or illegal or some boneheaded move and all of a sudden they go through a massive layoff and you're stuck with your box out on the front after they usher you out. Or, he said, you can you think that's safe, but there's no guarantees. He said, or you can start your own venture and bet on yourself. And he said, Ken, it's really about the way people look at paint-by-numbers. Paint-by-numbers is safe. Here's the picture. Here's the number corresponding with the color. He said, but I'm challenging people to take a blank canvas and paint the life that you want. Fantastic lesson. I'm only going to have time for one more uh, because I could do this all day long. But now I want to pivot a lesson that is good for those of you who want to move up the ladder professionally and you're going to eventually be in leadership as a result, or those of you that are leading right now and you want to lead your team to greatness. I had the opportunity to interview Pat Summit. Uh, the coach of the Lady Vols, the Tennessee Lady Vols. She's the most legendary, uh, I think, female women's I mean, women's basketball coach that's ever uh, been on the planet. And uh, I had the opportunity to sit with her, and I I asked her, I said, talk to me about what you've learned about leading a team to greatness. She said, well, Ken, I'll tell you one of the first things I learned. She goes, the first game I ever coached was against Mercer, Smaller's College, and she said they beat her ears off. She said, I always called my dad at the end of my own games when I was playing, and this time I called him at the end of our game, and I said, Daddy, what do you think? And she said he was a man of few words. And she said he paused for a second, and then I heard this. You don't take donkeys to the Kentucky Derby. You need to go get you some thoroughbreds. And then he hung up the phone. (laughs) And she said, Ken, I learned a valuable lesson that my greatness as a leader, my ability to lead our team to great things was first and foremost built on me having the right talent and getting talent around me. And that's a wonderful leadership lesson. Leaders, your success, your team's success is less about your strategy and your performance day in and day out. It is built on you getting the right people on the right seat of the bus. That means people who have the talent to pull off what you need them to pull off people who want to win go get you some thoroughbreds some race horses and then sit back and watch them win were created to fill a unique role in this world. Relationally and professionally, and I'm focusing on the professional piece. In other words, you were made to work. You were created to contribute through that work. You are needed. You must do it. In other words, people out there need you to show up and be the best that you have to offer because it's not about you. It's about what you can give. And and I want people to think of work differently. I want you to think of my, my overall life, the data says that a person who's happy at work lives 10 years longer than others. The data says that a person who has meaning and purpose in their work is healthier physically, mentally, emotionally. And yet we don't teach our young people. We don't teach adults how to discover their unique role in this world, the mark they want to make, but I'm doing it. And we've got a wonderful assessment tool that will help you figure out what you were born to do. It's called the Get Clear Assessment. It's about a 15-minute assessment. It's not a personality profile. What it does measure is what you do best, your talents and strengths. It measures what activities, work, roles you love to do. You look forward to this work when you're in the middle of it. Time flies. That's passion. And then it measures what motivates you. What results motivate me? Because no one can motivate you. They can manipulate you, but they cannot motivate you. Only you are motivated. It's called intrinsic motivation. I don't want to get into the science on that. But the assessment measures those three elements, what you do best, what you love to do, and what results motivate you. Let me say it again. Listen closely. What you are good at doing, what you like to do, and the results that motivate you. Now, imagine if you spent 75% of your day using what you do best to do work you love to produce results that matter to you. I would suggest to you you'd be very fulfilled and very successful. This assessment is going to give you a deep report on this, each of those areas, and then it puts your results into a purpose statement that reads like a job description that you were born to fill. Go get it right now, KenColeman.com slash assessment, KenColeman.com slash assessment. All right, we're going to stay in Nashville. John is on the line. John, you're on the Ken Coleman Show.
1: Hey, Ken. Good to talk to you. Thanks good to for talk to uh, you. taking the time today. Yeah, yeah. you bet, man.
0: Um, You're why I got up was, today, bro. Let's go.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I uh, That was a great segue, by the way. I actually have my purpose statement in front of me. We can go over that here in just uh, just a minute. I though, actually, but, you know uh, what I
0: want to do? I want you to read it yeah. to me slow and then tell me the problem we're attacking. Because I I, I I want the audience to hear it. And it gives me some clues while I listen to the problem. So what is your purpose statement from the assessment? Read it to me slowly.
1: Okay. Yes. I was created to use my talents of inspection, instruction, and execution to perform my passions of promoting, leading, and protecting to accomplish my mission of service by producing assistance and protection.
0: Wow. All right, so when you got your results did it feel like it hit you? Right between the eyes.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And okay. um, So what
0: problem are we attacking today? What's going on? How can I help?
1: Well, I'm I'm having trouble um
0: coming up with a specific this, idea.
1: Yeah, coming up with a <laughs> an idea to find find a career that that I want to stay in long term. Got it. All like right. most of my life I'm trying to put a square peg into a round hole.
0: Well, let me tell you you this. That's no longer going to happen because what you just read to me is your dream job description, but now it's at a high level. But do you understand that? Because you got to grab that first before we can unlock your ideas. Do you see how, if you're spending most of your day using your top talents of inspection, instruction, and execution to do the work of promoting, leading, and protecting to drive the result of serving people... That that's a good day for you? Does that sound good to you if I describe it that way? Oh, yes. Okay then. So what you have to do is take that purpose statement that I just read back to you, and you start looking for jobs that have job descriptions that match up with this. So, but I'm gonna help you a little bit further because I would, I would, I would say that the world of work, and this is where your ideas are gonna come from, are in four areas. All right. If you got something to write with, I want you to write it down. If you don't, I'll lay it out to where you understand it anyway. You ready? Yes. All right. The world of work can be bucketed into four areas. People work, ideal work, process work, or things. So the world of work can either be it's people work, it's ideal work, it's process work, or it's working with things. So that would be more tactile, working with your hands, building, creating, uh, fixing Does that make sense to you? Yes. All right. Now, based on your purpose statement, we can look at this and we can go, okay, your top talents are inspection, instruction, and execution. So that feels very processed to me, doesn't it, to you?
1: Yeah, yeah. But That's actually exactly what I was going to say.
0: There we go. See how it all works, folks? Then let's look at your passions protecting leading excuse me promoting leading protecting and promoting in this case does not mean necessarily a sales role or some carnival barker promoting what i'm talking about there is is you are all about lifting ideas lifting people lifting processes that make things better and so when you get your mindset on something that you say this is going to improve things you are trying to tell anybody and everybody that'll listen. Is that a good description of you? Yes. Whew. Boy, I talk about being out on a high wire, sometimes, folks. But hey, this 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 works. This assessment works because it's his answer. All right, now the leading part is leading a process, leading a team, leading a group of people, leading people to the idea that you need to execute on, and it's all about service, service, surface. So I think there's a people element here. So if I had to say what I'm hearing is, you tell me if I'm wrong, I'm trying to help you brainstorm here, is that you need to be doing process-type work that has a very clear service result for people. Tell me if I'm right, wrong, fix that.
1: I would say... Yeah, I'd say you're right on that. That's uh, is, yeah. With my current role, the the end result and the end process is, isn't very clear. That's uh, the problem. At, at so, the yeah. so,
0: so what would that role? So let's let's ideate out of your current role. What would need to change in the outcome of service to where you went? This is clear, number one, and it's absolutely spot on for the type of results I want to deliver. What would need to change? What would it need to look like?
1: It would I'd have to get some, some feedback from the from the client, from the people that I'm that I'm leading, from the the, the entity that I'm serving that yes, what you this idea and this um product or or whatever that you helped promote and and show to us and and lead us to uh, was, you know, accomplished, it was exactly what we needed to accomplish, accomplish our goal. Gotcha. All
0: right. So the reason I asked you that question is I'm trying to lead your brain, but this is all about ideation. What I cannot do in the assessment is I cannot, no one can predict and drop a perfect, career or a job that's in front of you because you gotta go find it. But now you have what it takes to find it. So here's the deal. You like process work, but there's a people, there's an end result that's people focused. Am I right? Yes. All right then. So we're looking for that. We're looking for jobs where I am inspection is you're in the details, man. You're like you're you're analyzing. You're you're you are inspecting and going, we're digging into this, what's going on here? Uh and then we are coming up with a a way to uh, teach, instruct, guide uh, the process, the solution. And then you're all about, let's get it done, check the box off. So you're looking for operations roles. You're looking for quality assurance, that kind of stuff. Am I making sense here?
1: Yes, very much so.
0: So the point is, is, based on who you are, what type of jobs would you want to be doing? You know where to look for those. And now you go and you look at those job descriptions of things that are available and you go, when I read the job description and I look at my purpose statement side by side, how much alignment is there? Do you see how that's going to work? Yes. My man, it's time for you to start looking. And the more you look, the more you'll see. Thanks for the call. This is The Ken Coleman Show. Press on Thanks for listening to The Ken Coleman Show. For more, you can find the show on demand wherever you listen to podcasts and watch the show on YouTube. You can also find Ken across all social media by following at Ken Coleman.